introduced to you a good friend and and uh, he's no stranger to the house, but it's been a couple years since he's been here. But but uh, brother Marty, you, he'll he'll he's going to feel feel just like one of us when he gets up here. You'll see, and and uh, he's he's carries a strong message with him. He's got the got the Holy Ghost, Amen, just like you and I do, and and carries a strong a strong message of the Word of Faith. You know, uh, I met brother Marty when I was serving at Rama. Uh, he he was singing with uh, brother Hagen, the Rama singers in band. And then the last year that I was there, I, I ushered on Sunday nights and uh, had the privilege of doing that. And Brother Marty came on staff as associate pastor there at Rama and uh, got to know him even better at, during that time and, and just fell in love with him from the from day one. Uh, his wife was with him last time. Lola was with him last time. She couldn't come this time. But, but uh, uh, she, man, now she's, now, now she's a smart woman because... Marty, Marty was telling me that uh, that they were talking about coming up, and and she remembered that she came with him, and she remembered that I took her that we took them to Wagon Wheel and got fried squash. Amen. So she remembered that part of it, if nothing else, you know. So so praise the Lord. She's a smart woman. Amen. So, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so uh, so let's give Brother Marty Blackwelder a welcome and a warm welcome as he comes here this morning to Destiny. Thank you, Pastor. How's everybody this morning? You're happy and you know it. Shout amen. How many of you rather be here than in the hospital? Woo! How many of you rather be here than in jail? <laughs> I asked that question one time. I said, how many of you rather be here than jail? This woman jumped up on the front row. She started dancing. I said, what in the world? She said, I just got out of jail. I said, well, praise God. Amen. Listen, we love you. Love your pastors. Always enjoy their fellowship. It's been a couple of years since I've been here. Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet you, be happy to shake your hand and introduce ourselves. And uh, we're just, you know, down home folk. We're from Georgia, so we love. We're going to have a good time in here this morning. Amen. Y'all still with me? All right. We got three, ser- two sermons. We're going to have a third one now. <laughs> Let's begin reading in Second Timothy. Second Timothy. Uh, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, the Apostle Paul writing. Uh, Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Therefore, or henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. Man, that's such a powerful statement from the Apostle Paul, isn't it? To know that uh, he had come to the end, the culmination of his life, he fought well, he'd endured the challenges and the, uh, you know, oppositions of life and ministry, and yet he had uh, finished what God asked him to do. He'd finished his course, he finished his race, and he did it successfully. That's quite a testimony. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, of course, The Bible says, henceforth, or therefore, seeing that we are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience or endurance or steadfastness. The race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, uh, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds or grow weary in your soul. So, you know, the same reality holds true for you and I. Each of us have a race to run. We've got a course to finish. 
We have a divine purpose to fulfill. And, you know, I believe it would be God's divine intention uh, that our testimony be the same as the Apostle Paul and the Lord Jesus Christ, that we finish our race, that we fulfill our purpose. But how many of you know, not just finishing the race, but finishing it with joy? Everybody say joy. You know, it's one thing to cross the finish line. You know, and we do see people cross it like this, you know. (sighs) And, you know, it's great to finish. Oh, God, it was hard and it was tough, but I made it. But don't you think it's a little better, man, if you cross it with a little joy? Amen. I mean, there's some there's some excitement, some enthusiasm about the finish. And that's what we're on. We're on the finish. So, you know. We not only want to finish, but we want to finish this thing with joy. You know, everybody, listen, can face the temptation in life to grow weary in the journey, to lose sight of the goal, to get a little frustrated, perhaps, when things have not gone in the direction that maybe you anticipated or perhaps hasn't, uh, you know, formulated as rapidly uh, as you wish they would have. We realize there's resistance in life. How many of you know that? There's difficult people to deal with. There's financial, physical, relational, emotional, spiritual challenges. The Apostle Paul faced all of these, and yet uh, his perspective in life and his response to life and the challenges that came along with it were amazingly positive. Uh, I know you've read these scriptures, but it's good to look at them again. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 are... 8 and 9, is it? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Notice what the Apostle Paul said. He said, look, you know, we are troubled on every side. How many of you know that most often trouble seems to come with company? Brings friends. You know what I'm saying? Uh, things tend to arise. Uh, multiple things tend to arise on, on various fronts simultaneously. I kind of call it the devil's pile-up technique. Trying to overwhelm you, get you to sit down, give up and quit. And Paul said, look, we're troubled on every side, but I want you to notice his mentality. Look at his attitude. Yet not distressed. He said, look, I'm not going to allow these external temporary pressures, disappointments, persecutions, challenges to rob me of my internal sense of peace and joy and faith, and confidence, troubled on every side, yet not distressed. He went on to say, perplexed. How many of you know what perplexed means? Anybody? By definition, tell me. Confused. Perplexed, by definition, means confused. And basically, Paul said, look, you know, life can be a little confusing at times. And what he meant was, look, I don't always understand. Why every situation unfolds the way it does. I don't always understand why people behave and respond the way they do. But just because I can't wrap my head around it all and I don't understand maybe some things that transpire at times doesn't mean I'm going to adopt this attitude of futility. Why serve God? What good does it do? Throw in the towel and quit. He said it can be a little perplexing was the next word. But, perplexed, but not in despair. 
He went on to say persecuted. What's the next word? But not forsaken. Cast down. Come on. But not destroyed. Woo! I think some Christians need a but revelation. And I'm not talking about the part you're sitting on this morning. I'm talking about the conjunction. But. Psalm 30 and verse 5. You know the psalmist said. He said, weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalm 34 and in verse 19, notice the psalmist said, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. Whoa! And John 16 and 33, of course, Jesus said, Look, in this crazy world, you're going to have some tribulation. You're going to have some stuff to deal with. It's not how I originally intended it, but it will be returning there. In this crazy world, he said, you're going to have some tribulation, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need a but revelation. <laughs> Listen, you know, when the Apostle Paul penned the words to what we term the book of Philippians, it was the epistle or the letter to uh, the believers in Philippi. It's also been termed the epistle of joy. Uh, I'm not sure if you realize it or not, but he wasn't in a five-star hotel with breakfast in bed. Right? Paul was in prison. Now, in his time uh, of imprisonment in Rome, there were several different places in which he was held. One was a rented house for about two and a half years. But also under Nero there, who was a very uh, wicked uh, you know, emperor and uh, hated Christianity. Paul at one time was in what we would call a dungeon cell. It was located just below the central palace of Rome, just above the central holding area of all the sewage of the city. So basically, he's in a cave with very little light, the stench of sewage all around. And it's in these type of environments that Paul penned the words in Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. One translation says, All joy be yours at all times. Another one says, Always be happy in the Lord. Man, that's amazing, isn't it? It kind of puts things into a more clear perspective for you and I, realizing that our perspective in life, our response to life and to life's challenges can have tremendous impact on how we journey through this life and how we finish the race. I think sometimes we think that if our circumstances were perfect and our situations were ideal, that somehow, man, we could be happy. But the reality is our circumstances and our situations in and of themselves do not possess the power to dictate our internal sense of peace and joy. But our perspective, our attitudes, our focus and our response, quite naturally, do. And it took me a long time to learn that because I am a perfectionist by nature. I like things right. You know what I'm saying? 
So Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, that's a wonderful admonition, isn't it? Oh, we can shout about it. Amen, Brother Marty. But listen, how in the world do you implement that? How do I actualize a statement like that? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul said, well, I'm going to give you a couple of things that you can implement. The first one, he said, is found right here in the following verses, verses 6 through 7. And these are his words. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So Paul said one of the first things you're going to have to do is realize that joy is going to be most fully realized in the life of a Christian who has learned, and it is a learning process, who has learned to live their life free from care. He did not say free from responsibility. He didn't say free from the necessary disciplines and activities of life. He didn't say free from difficult people. He didn't say free from challenging situations or disappointments. He said free from the care of them. Are you listening? So the Living Bible, and I didn't give this to you guys. I'm just going to quote it to you. The Living Bible of this verse says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. And don't forget to thank Him for the answers. If you will do this, it goes on to say, God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand, will keep your hearts and your thoughts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Man, that's powerful. And, of course, the Amplified Bible says, don't fret, don't worry, don't have anxiety about anything. Now, I did a study in the Greek on the word anything, and it means anything, right? About anything. Why? Because it's destructive. It opens the door to fear, frustration, anxiety. And then those elements begin to rob you of your internal sense of peace and joy and confidence and faith. Actually, the word fret comes from uh, an old English word, fretten. And it has the connotation of a carcass of an animal being devoured piece by piece. You know how a vulture will find a carcass along the side of the road, and man, they start eating away at it piece by piece. That's exactly what worrying, fretting, and being anxious does. Little by little, it eats away at your sense of peace and joy and confidence and faith. Right? So Paul said, look, it's destructive. Don't don't do it. Right? Now, how many of you know fear enters through the doorway of the mind. Fear enters through the doorway of the mind. Satan will come and he will attempt to paint on the canvas of your mind portraits of failure, portraits of defeat, portraits of the worst case scenario, all with the intention of what? Bringing fear. 
And then once again, when the fear enters, it displaces your peace, your joy, your faith, your confidence. Now, most people in church will say, amen, don't worry. But they're not really cognizant of what worry actually is. How many of you know what worry consists of? What is worry? If you were to say, well, what is worry by definition? Worry by definition is what we call meditating in a negative direction. Now, meditation by definition, and we advocate meditation as a Christian. You know, these Eastern religions stole that from Christianity because the psalmist over and over says, hey, I will meditate in your word day and night. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation. Right. So what is meditate? Meditate by by definition means to reflect and rehearse. So when you're meditating something, you're reflecting on it in your mind. You're rehearsing it over and over, right? Now, in a positive sense, that's awesome. Because, let's say, as a Christian, you have an issue with fear. Let's just say that is one of your issues. So what do you do as a Christian? Well, meditation's like this. you got a hot cup of water, and you got a tea bag. Now, if you just tip, uh, dip that tea bag one time into that hot cup of water, very little of the flavor or the color of the tea is going to be absorbed. Right? What do you have to do? You've got to dip it over and over and over and then let it steep, right? So let's say you're, you're a Christian and you've got some issues with fear. So you go to the Word, you find a scripture, your tea bag. And you say, what is it, Second Timothy 1.7? God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, a sound, well-balanced, calm state of mind. That's your tea bag. And you get up in the morning, man, and when you're drinking your coffee, you read it. Woo! God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and sound mind. Thank you, Lord. You just dipped it. Now, on your lunch break, you get it out again on your device or whatever, and your, or your, you know, your paper or your Bible, and you say it. Thank you, Lord. You've not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Are you listening? Then before you go to bed, you get it out and you do it again. Right? Whatever. If it's healing, if it's fear, if it's finances, find yourself some scripture. Start dipping your tea bag. And what you do is you dip that thing over and over until all the power that is resident and the creative ability that is within that living word of God is absorbed into your human spirit and it manifests the very thing it carries. Right now, that's in a positive sense, but worry is doing that in a negative direction, constantly allowing our thoughts to reflect and rehearse the potential uncertainties of life. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I lose my job? What if the money doesn't come? What if I don't get healed? What if the kids don't turn around? What are we going to do? Are you listening? Over and over and over. Can you believe what they said about me? Are you listening? And so what you're doing is you're dipping the tea bag, but it's releasing the wrong substance. Instead of faith and joy and confidence and peace, it's releasing fear, frustration, anxiety. Right? So basically, if we had to sum up Paul's theological revelation here in a modern phrase of these verses, he would basically say, listen, don't worry. Be happy. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, don't worry, man. Be happy. Right? <laughs> oh, glory to God. Now, now, what amazes me is that these particular verses, once again, they weren't written by a man who was a stranger to adversity. I mean, not only was Paul's confinement in Rome hideous at times, the, the, the imprisonment, but, you know, he had some of the most extraordinarily difficult uh, persecutions and different things that he, he experienced in life. The cumulative experiences of his life were actually staggering. I don't know if you've ever read his testimony, but if you haven't, I want to read it to you. Uh, just a portion of it from 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 28. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. Are you listening? He said, look, I've worked harder. I've been jailed more often. I've been beaten up more times than I can count. I've been at death's door time after time. I've been flogged five times by the Jews, 39 lashes. I've been beaten with Roman rods three times. I've been pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times, immersed in an open sea for a night and a day, in hard traveling year in, year out. I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk uh, in the, uh, what is it? In the country, endangered by desert, sun and sea storm. I've been betrayed by those that I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery, or I've known uh, hard labor, many a lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. And he said, and that's not the half of it. When you throw in all the daily pressures and anxieties of the churches. And you and I think we've had a challenging 2020 or a little here in 20. And I'm not belittling people's experiences because I know people had some tough times. But none of us have experienced the totality of what the Apostle Paul experienced personally. And, and, and you've got to love his attitude. Acts 20, 24. Notice his response. None of these things move me. Woo! Neither count I my life dear unto myself that I might finish my course with joy. Right? And the ministry which was given to me from the Lord Jesus Christ to preach the gospel of the grace of God to the Gentiles. Woo! Hallelujah! So, Paul said, look, I've learned how to celebrate my Christian faith in the midst of the most extraordinarily difficult situations and circumstances. He said, now the first thing I've learned to do is cast my care. Right now, that doesn't mean we're idle in life, that we don't take care of business, that we don't do what we need to do when we need to do it. But friends, once you've done all you can do, you've got to cast the care of that thing over on him and leave it with him. Amen. And Paul said, now I'm going to tell you a second thing. In addition to casting the care and closely related, as we've already discussed, here's a second thing you can implement. And he said, I have learned how to think properly. Now notice Philippians 4, eight. He said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise. Now, what do you say? Somebody tell me. Think on these things. <laughs> so Paul said, hey, I've learned a tremendous secret. In walking in an internal sense of peace and joy in my life. And he said, I've learned how to think properly, focus my attention properly. 
monitor my internal conversation. Because whatever we focus our attention on, that's what's going to have the greatest impact on our minds, our hearts, our emotions. Are you with me? So how many of you know the devil wants your attention? Absolutely, he wants our attention. He's always vying for it because he knows our attention is directly connected to our joy, our peace, our faith, our confidence, our victory in life. So he's always like, hey, hey, look at it. Feel it. Think about it. Can you believe how they treated you? It's terrible. What are you going to do? May I have your attention, please? You've got to put up the hand. And you've got to say, devil, talk to the hand. You may not have my attention. Right? Because my attention is directly connected to all the things we've mentioned. <laughs> right? So, none of us can have an undisciplined mind and walk in joy, peace, faith, and victory. It's impossible. An undisciplined mind is like we say an undisciplined child. It's no boundaries, no restraints, unruly, bad habits, headed for trouble. Right? That's an undisciplined mind. So we've got to pay attention to what's going on. Now, people say to me, Brother Marty, I I, I can't control my thoughts. Now, listen, if I had a helmet... Special helmet. They're developing all kind of technology today. Why not? But what if I had a helmet and it was a special one and I could put it on your head. And while I'm preaching, all of your thoughts were projected up on that screen for everybody to see. (laughs) I wonder if you could control your thoughts. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You can do it now. It takes some discipline. It takes some determination. But we can do it. And if we're going to have joy and peace, friends, in this crazy world, we've got to learn to gird up the loins of our mind. We've got to think properly. So Paul said, I've learned to focus my attention. Well, what do you think about Paul? He said, well, I'm going to tell you something now. Instead of focusing all my attention on the negativities, and we've all got potential negativities in life, the uncertainties. The fears, the anxieties, the frustrations. He said, this is what I think about. I just think about the fact that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. I think about the fact I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm ready for. I'm equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who infuses his inner strength into me. I'm self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. He said, I think about the fact that, man, when I walk through the waters, he'll be with me. And through the rivers of difficulty and challenge, they will not overtake me. When I pass through the fire, I will not be burned. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. He said, I think about the fact, man, that thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph, who has made me more than a conqueror. I think about the fact that nothing, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He said, those are the things that I think about rather than focusing on all the potential uncomfortable situations of the moment. 
And he said, because I do that, man, I, I, I can stay happy. And he said, I'll tell you something else I think about. And you and I need to think a lot about it, too. And I'm going to talk to you about it tonight. But the Apostle Paul wrote in First Thessalonians, I think it's First Thessalonians, chapter 4, uh, verse 26, starting in there, where he said, The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Woo! Man, as pastor said, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. Jesus is coming. And did you know that even back in Paul's day, Paul said, look, you, you want to know something I think about and it gives me a sense of hope and determination in this life? And that is the realization that this life is temporary. It is a fraction, momentary uh, uh, element of an eternal existence. And no matter what sorrow, difficulty, challenge, setback, whatever I may face in this life, in reality, it's light and it's momentary compared to the eternal blessedness that is awaiting me on the other side. And he said, I live my life from an eternal perspective. I'm running this race with purpose. One day there's going to be an amazing ceremony called the Judgment Seat of Christ. It's an award ceremony. That's not where your sins are going to be judged and you're going to be embarrassed in front of everybody. Your sins have been taken care of through the blood of Jesus and the cross and the sacrifice made. This is an award ceremony where our works are evaluated and rewarded. And man, you talk about a, a, a time. They think they've got it with the Emmy Awards and the Grammy Awards and they sashay across on their red carpet and do their little thing. Let me tell you something. That's going to pale in comparison to that day. <laughs> Anything you've ever done for the kingdom of God because you love God and for people because you love people, you're going to be rewarded for it. Paul said, I keep that in mind. Right? Now, anything we've done for the accolades of men, the praise of men, our own personal agenda, the Bible says that's wood, hay, and stubble. It'll be burned up, right? So we don't want any bonfires when our name is called, right? So let's just get busy. Let's be a blessing. Let's love God. Let's love people. Let's serve in the church. Woo! Amen. And you're going to be rewarded for it. But Paul said, I keep that in mind. I think about it. And it helps me maintain an attitude of joy as I'm running this race. All right. Now, listen, I want to give you some practical application before we go. Is that all right? Psalm chapter five, verse 11, because I want you we're going to get happy today in this service. You're going to get your joy cup full, but I want you to be able to take it home with you and know how to maintain it. Psalm chapter five and verse 11. Let all those who uh, rejoice, who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let them also that love your name be joyful in you. Let me give you another one. Psalm 32 and verse 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. One more. Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad. Who favor my righteous cause. And yea, let them say continually. 
Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So I read you three verses. Now, what does it say? In those verses, what do we see? Be glad. Rejoice. Be joyful. Now, may I ask you a question if you went to school? Is that a suggestion or a command verb? Be. It's a command verb. Hey, righteous ones. Yes, sir. Born again. Filled with the Spirit. Heaven is waiting on you. Woo! Be glad. Amen? Be joyful. Rejoice. Well, if it is a command, guess what? Now, here we go. It's a choice. Right? And if it is a choice more specifically, once again, it's a matter of focus. It's a matter of focus. Now, every single person in this room, every one of us, from the time we open our eyes in the morning till the time we lay our head down at night, every person in this room has taking place on the inside, right? What psychologists call and we refer to as internal conversation, or you may be familiar with this term, self-talk. Anybody ever heard self-talk? Now, what does that mean? Just what it says. All day long, you're talking to yourself. Now, this conversation is not audible, but it's taking place. You talk to yourself about your husband. You talk to yourself about your wife, your friends, your co-workers, you know, what we have, what we don't we have, what we don't have, the kids, the everything. We're talking to ourselves. And for many people, this internal self-talk is very negative in content. Are you listening? Everything that's wrong with my life. It's like a record player, or we used to say an M we'd say now an MP3 or or what is it? Streaming, you know. And so the alarm goes off in the morning, man. Track one begins. It's like a little song. And some people's songs sound like this. Oh, God. I don't want to get up, man. I don't want to go to work. They don't pay me enough. Can't even meet the bills. Look at the house. It's such a mess. Kids are acting the fool. My wife's not treating me right. My husband's not treating me right. I can't stand my co-workers. All they do is yak, 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 yak. I don't have anything to wear. My hair looks like last year's bird's nest. Negative, negative, negative. And what, what we don't realize is that negative internal conversation is producing a mindset, a mentality. And how many of you know the highest form of human captivity is a wrong mentality, right? So it's producing a mindset. And then that mentality is what? Impacting the emotions, the joy, the peace, the confidence, not just the emotions, but, you know, those aspects. And then those negative emotions begin to impact the physiological body because they're all connected. Are you listening? So what we got to do, friends, in life we got to change tracks. we got to sing a new song. Now, I know what I'm talking about because I told you I was born a perfectionist by nature. My mom was a perfectionist. My dad was, he was kind of a little hoarder, you know, but my mom was a perfectionist. 
And uh, I got, I guess I got that from her. I mean, I, I was, boy, I'd, I'd play with my trucks when I was a little kid. And then I'd wash them and put them back on the shelf. I don't, nobody told me to do it. Just born that way. I like all my shirts hanging, you know, in the same, with the same hangers all in the underwear, the socks. I like order. Right? I would uh, vacuum and mop the garage. I, nobody can cut my grass because I'm the only one that can do it right. See what I'm saying? The hedges, the car, everything. But can I tell you something? After a wife, a mother-in-law, two kids, a cat and a dog, forget it. Life is not perfect. Right? And it's not going to be perfect. And I can be miserable and make everybody else miserable, or I could change tracks and sing a different song. And you know what I did in life, friends? I changed tracks. Now, I still like things nice and in order, but I don't get all bent out of shape if it's not. Are you listening? So you've got to change tracks. So in the morning when the alarm goes off, instead of, oh God, say, woo! This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. Everything I set my hand to today, man, is going to prosper. You say, Brother Marty, do you feel like, woo, when, you, when the alarm goes off? No. You don't always feel joyful. I was kind of like that guy. You ever seen that coffee cup? It has three lines and three phrases. The first one was, shh. Then the second one down, after you drink a little bit, says, almost. Then when you get to the bottom, it says, now you may speak. That was kind of me. I like that. You know, my first cup of coffee. Don't talk to me. Don't bother me. But, you know, you get over it. Right? So, you don't always feel joyful, friends. But here's a secret I learned, and I know you'll find it valuable as well. You'll never be able to feel your way into acting differently. Are you listening? You'll never be able to feel your way into acting differently. Well, I don't feel happy. I don't feel like cleaning the house. I don't feel like going to work. I don't feel like praising God, Pastor Stacy, lifting my hands and shouting hallelujah. I'm real. I don't feel like it this morning. I'm not going to put it on. You're real. Real carnal. Because the Bible says, put on the garment of praise. Watch this. For the spirit of heaviness. God knows actions more powerful than emotions. You can make an exchange, right? So I can't feel my way into acting differently, but guess what? I can absolutely act my way into feeling differently. Woo! Sometimes your joy, you know, it settles to the bottom of the glass. Are you listening to me? You know, like sweet tea. Do y'all have sweet tea here in South Carolina? Come on now, I'm from Georgia, right? We know what sweet tea is. Sweet tea is when you steep about eight or nine bags of tea. And then you put a minimum. Everybody say minimum. A minimum of a cup of sugar in that tea while it's hot. And then you stir it and it dissolves. Then you put your ice and your water and you make a gallon of tea. That's sweet tea. Now, I come up here to New York and different places and I'll go in and I'll say, uh, could I have a glass of sweet tea, please? They bring me a glass of tea, iced tea, and jars or packets of sugar. Then you got to put it in, and where's it go? To the bottom. And then what do you have to do? 
aggravating. Why? Because half of it goes is back in the bottom. It doesn't dissolve. Right? Well, God said, look, listen. Sometimes your joy settles to the bottom of the glass. He said, you got to stir it up. And he said, i got some spoons for you. <laughs> well, what are they, Lord? Well, we just read them. He said, now, one thing you can do, you can shout for joy. There's a shout because you got it. There's a shout to get it. Right? Somebody say hallelujah. Come on, shout it. Shout it. One more time. Man, you can shout for joy. Sometimes when the cares of life come, you know, and you feel like balling up in the ball, I just go down to my man cave. I got a basement. It's not finished, but it's mine. And I go down there, man, and I'll just start shouting praises to God. Nobody down there but me and the cat. And what that stuff lifts off of you. Are you listening? I'll tell you a story real quick. How many of you give me five more minutes? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty. All right. Praise God. So anyway, I came in one night. We came in. I was associate pastor at Rainbow for about five years. We came in one night after service. And man, the moment I hit the door, I had what you call a, a burden or an unction to pray. Now, old time Pentecost, you know what I'm talking about. You get this sense, I gotta pray, we gotta pray now. And so you start praying in the Spirit, in intercession, and let the Holy Spirit pray for whatever needs to be prayed for. So we came in the door, I said, honey, we gotta pray, we gotta pray now. It was an urgency. Well, when she hooked up with me, man, we're both flying in other tongues. I mean, praying, 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 praying. 35, 45, 50 minutes. All of a sudden, about an hour, we hit what you call a note of victory. When you've prayed whatever you're praying for, you may not know in your mind, but the Holy Ghost knows, and you hit that note of victory, you might sing, you might dance, you might shout. Well, boy, I'm telling you, that note of victory came, and I took off dancing. I mean, I'm dancing. Shouting in my living room. Woo! You know, like my wife's doing the same thing. Well, we had this little dog. His name was Snickerdoodle. <laughs> he was a little shit suit. And Snickerdoodle was just laying on the ottoman, minding his business. And I don't know why in the world I did this, but man, I'm dancing, shouting, and all of a sudden I just said, Woo! Like that, and I touched Snickerdoodle. <laughs> God is my witness. I'm telling you the truth. I wouldn't lie from the pulpit. That dog jumped up, man. He started running around the kitchen table. <laughs> I said, honey, look, the Holy Ghost is on that dog. <laughs> She'd tell you the truth. If she were here, I'd never seen him run so fast. Somebody say shout for joy. You can sing for joy. You ever read that? Get in the shower and you get out in the morning. Get your happy song. I'm full of joy. And I got the victory. You know, whatever song. I'm full of joy. Now that's about as far down as we boys go, isn't it, fellas? About right here. We kind of let the runoff get the rest, don't we, boys? Sometimes I get my toes, but just sing a song. I'm full of joy. And you know what will happen is by the time you get out of that shower, you've been singing. You're just stirring what's already in there up. Joy's the fruit of the Spirit. It's resident. You just lose touch with it sometimes. You can shout for joy. You can sing for joy. When you get off of work, man, getting in your car, put on some happy music or some praise. Start singing. You can leap for joy. But now here this morning, this is how we're going to end. One of my favorite manifestations of joy is laughter. How many of you like to laugh? How many of you know God created laughter? Yes, He did. He's the author of it. There's a scripture in Psalm 126. One through three, notice, the Bible says, When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. 
Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the nations, the Lord's done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we're glad. Notice filled with laughter. As we said, how many of you know there's something very liberating about laughter? Think about it. When we say God created laughter, you know, he's the author of it. Right. When you laugh, where do you laugh from your head? (laughs) Is that where you laugh from? You get a kink in your neck if you do. No, you don't laugh from your head. You laugh from your heart, from your belly. Why? Because God created laughter. Everybody say, ha, ha, ha. Say it again. Now, let me tell you a little story about ha, ha, ha. I know some people think Mark Hankins originated that, but this is the original. uh, Ha, ha, ha. We were at Winter Bible Seminar. How many of you are familiar with Kenneth E. Hagin? Raise your hand if you've heard your pastor. Raise your hand. Let me just see. Kenneth E. Hagin. Any of you? Some of you? Most of you? A large portion. I used to travel with him. And so... Eleven years, I was the praise and worship leader, you know, and did different things. And so we were at Winter Bible Seminar, which was one of our largest meetings. We had about 8,000 that year. People were in overflow, uh, you know, on the stage in the orchestra pit. It was on national satellite, satellite television. So back in the 90s, friends, there was a tremendous outpouring, a, a specific move of God in the outpouring of joy and celebration and saturation of the Holy Ghost. I'd never seen anything like it, you know, before. And it really, and really not, not since that it was a genuine outpouring of the Spirit about a decade. So anyway, I mean, that night people laying out all over the floor. I mean, as we would turn drunk in the Spirit, some people dancing, some laughing and everything. So Brother Hagin turns to me. I'm the praise and worship leader and it's the end of the service he says in front of everybody on the microphone national television uh brother marty do you have a song that would fit in here now listen he always told us if you sing the wrong song at the wrong time it will kill the anointing now who wants to be responsible for killing the anointing in front of 8000 people in national television i didn't so this great man of faith and power Said to him very boldly on the front row, no, sir. And I'm the praise and worship leader. <laughs> and he said, you got a song? No, sir. <laughs> so he said, well, you will by the time you get up here. So all the way up there, thank God there's a bunch of steps to that platform. All the way up, I'm going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. On the inside, give me the song. You know, well, all of a sudden, you know, many times songs come by the Spirit at the spur of the moment. These words started bubbling up. Ha, 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 he, 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 hey. Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Ha, 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 he, 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 hey. I resist you and you cannot stay. And and I, I got on the piano and the band came. And I don't know why it came out like this, but it came out like one of those old tavern drinking songs. <laughs> The band came up, the singers, and we started singing. And it was, ha, 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 he, 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 hey. Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Singing, ha, 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 he, 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 hey. I resist you and you cannot stay. Y'all sing it with me one time. Ha, 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 he, 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 hey. Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Sway a little bit. Ha 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 he 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 hey 
I resist you and you cannot stay. Now listen, it had verses and everything. But listen, 8,000 people started singing that song. And they started swaying. And I don't mean this disrespectfully in any way. Uh, but you'll understand the terminology. Uh, you know, the more we sang it, the drunker we got. Or saturated with the Holy Ghost. Woo! How many of you know God never intended you to for go, uh, intended for you to go through this life sober? <laughs> Now, he said, don't be drunk with wine, right? But be filled with the Spirit. So here, there's something about laughter, man. Proverbs chapter 17 and 22. The Bible says, a merry heart does good like a medicine. How many of you know God knows his business? He created the physiological body, the psychological aspects of man. And did you know that Dr. Uh, William Fry from Stanford University, who is an expert on the physiological and psychological uh, uh, benefits of laughter, he made this statement. Now, he's just picking up on what God already knows. He said, look, you know, laughter triggers, triggers physiological changes in the body that help ease pain. It induces the brain to release certain uh, hormones that actually cause the release of endorphins, the body's natural painkillers. He said also, laughter like aerobic exercise reduces the heart rate and the arterial blood pressure to below their original levels and causes the chest and the abdomen to contract, thus providing relief from stress. <laughs> How many of you didn't know? You didn't know you were coming to aerobic exercise this morning, did you? But anyway, here's what we're going to do today before we leave. We're going to have ourselves a good laugh. You say, we are? Yeah, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 4 says, there is a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. Guess what? This morning is a time to laugh. You say, we're just going to laugh? That's right. You don't even have to have a sense of humor to laugh. Right? You're born with the gift of laughter. Now, you might have to prime your pump. You ever seen that? One of those hand pumps? You know, you pump a little bit and just... But pump a little more, and then finally you hit a gusher. That's how you prime your pump. Ha, 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 ha. It doesn't take me long, but then you, you hit a gusher. Are you listening? So God wants you. I know in my heart this morning there's some people in this room. You need to go out with your joy tank full. You've been running on empty. Acts 13 and 52 Notice what the Bible says. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say filled. Watch this one. John 15 and 11. Jesus said, these words have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be. Come on. Full. Somebody say full. Now, look, when I was a kid, I was in the back seat. My mom and dad, they drive up to the gas station. Roll down the window, there was an attendant, and they'd say, fill it up. Now, why would they say fill it up? Because you can go a lot farther on a full tank than you can an empty one. Right? Romans 15 and 13. Here it is again. Listen. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when something is full or filled... What is it? It's saturated. It's saturated. Now, how many of you have ever seen or you have at your house 
You've got an old dry sponge. Maybe you wash the car with it or something. And it's up on the shelf. And it's been there a long time. You take that sponge and you throw it into a pail of water. What does it do? Just sits right on top. Why? Because it's so hard, it is impervious to water. You got to put it under there, man. You got to work with it a little bit. Some of you may be, maybe you feel like an old dry sponge this morning. Well, just let the Holy Ghost get you under the water of the Spirit. Amen. And, and get your joy cup full. Now, now here's the principle, and then I want to show you something. Ephesians 5.18. What did Paul say? Be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but, what? Be filled with the Spirit. Be saturated. Now, let me ask you something. In the natural, in the natural. Some of you may know from past experience, but now you're redeemed. Right? How do you get drunk in the natural? You drink until your blood is saturated with the substance of alcohol. And if you want to stay drunk, you keep drinking. Right? So, same principle, Paul said, different substance. you got to drink until you're saturated with the Holy Spirit. Now, friends, I was raised Southern Baptist. I've never, I'd never been in Pentecostal circles. I'd never seen anybody drunk in the Spirit. I'd never seen any of those kind of demonstrations. But I'm going to tell you, it is real. Because when I got in the company of that, I mean, man, I became a great drinker. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen what it looks like when someone is saturated with the Spirit. Or, as they say on the day of Pentecost, when Peter, you know, he had to say, hey, these guys aren't drunk, as you suppose, right? They're drunk in the Holy Ghost, right? So, I don't know if you've seen it, but I'm going to play you a clip of back in the 90s, because I want you to see. Now, now let me set the preface here. We'd been in one of those services, man. I mean, people were saturated out on the floors, drunk in the spirit. And so Brother Hagen says to me, uh, Brother Marty, sing something. Well, I've been over there just having my own time with the Lord getting saturated. Friends, I was so, at lack of a better term, drunk in the spirit. I couldn't function. I could not sing. I, I wanted to sing because he told me to sing, but I couldn't sing. And, you know, sometimes you get so full of joy. It's what Peter calls in First Peter chapter one, verse eight is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Man, you can't even put words to it. You got to dance it out, shout it out. I don't know. But, you know, anyway, I want you to look at this. And as you're watching, if you'll open yourself to the Holy Ghost and just prime your pump a little bit, you can get saturated, too. Are you ready? All right, go ahead and run that clip, guys. Turn up the volume. I was a bit younger then, of course. Well, 
One dose of the Holy Ghost is not enough for me. You can fade that out a little bit. Amen. So you see what I'm talking about, right? Sometimes, man, you just get so filled. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get in your mind's eyes something we need to laugh at. You say, now what am I going to laugh at? Well, Joel, what is it? Uh, Job 5.22? His friend said, look, man, I know you've been through a hard time, but the time's going to come at destruction and at famine. You'll laugh. So that's just a good thing. If you got some destruction, man, it's some things that don't look so favorable at the moment. Or maybe it looks like famine, you're not going to have enough, right? You know what you need to do instead of crying about it? Haul off and have yourself a good laugh. Now I'm going to lead you in laughter. I want you to get in your mind's eye something you need to laugh at. My wife and I, we tried to have kids for eight years. Eight years. They said you have unexplained infertility. Well, thank you very much. Unexplained. So you know what we did, man? We just laughed. Ha, 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 ha. Now, that's not all we did. You understand that. But we did laugh. And <laughs> and we got two girls now. <laughs> but I want you to get in your mind's eye something you need to laugh at. I don't care what it is. Physical, financial, relational. Are you ready? Prime your pump. Don't sit there and look at me like a bump on the log. Get ready. All right. I'm going to lead you. One. I'm going to count to three and you laugh at it. One, two, three. <laughs> oh, I got mine. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Oh, oh. Huh? You needed that today, didn't you? Just a good old laugh. We all do need it. Woo! You just got to prime your pump a little bit like this one over here. 
Go ahead and breathe now. Woo! Oh! Hallelujah! I, I know sometimes people want to laugh. They just need some help. So I, I bring my jump starters with me. Now, I was raised in Baptist church. Anybody raised Baptist? Anybody? Oh, man, a lot of Baptists. So we had our bulletins. Remember our bulletins? And you had these announcements in it. And, of course, sometimes they were misprints. Like this one said, uh, don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Oh, goodness. I like this one. It said, uh, this being Easter Sunday, we're going to ask Miss Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. <laughs> These things still tickle me, and I've been saying them a long time. Listen, here's one that said, uh, the sermon this, uh, let's see. The sermon this evening, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Here's a good one. Now listen, Jesus isn't offended because I asked him. But he said, uh, the sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. The sermon this evening, searching for Jesus. <laughs> Somebody say, ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. Hey. Now, you know, it amazes me. People will sit in front of carnal television and laugh at it, but they won't laugh in church. Hey, God created it. It's for your benefit and blessing. Say it one more time. Ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. Hey. Everybody stand up. I'm going to sing you a song. Give me some reverb on my microphone. Crank it. I'm going to do... Uh, I've got joy. Are you happy this morning? Keep your joy cup full. Come on, crank it up. Crank it up. Woo! Bring the way on up. Come on. Well, maybe you can tell it by the smile on my face. I got joy. I got joy. It's a smile that comes from heaven that the world cannot erase. I got joy. I got joy. When I rise in the morning, see the day God has made. Sunshine or stormy, you'll still hear me say, I got joy. I got joy. I got joy. A little more track. With trouble all around me, I can sing Amazing Grace. I got joy. I got joy. Head troubles cannot stop me. I'm going to win this race. I got joy. I got joy. He's strength to my spirit, provider and friend. Can't help but shout it and say it again. I got joy. I got joy. I've got joy. Listen. This joy is not dependent on what I feel or see. No matter what the struggle, I still have victory. This joy for my journey no man can take away. The joy of the Lord is my strength today. Well, Jesus is the solid rock I'm standing on today. I got joy. I got joy. Oh, He's taken all my burdens and washed my sins away. I got joy. I got joy. When I rise in the morning, see the day God has made. Sunshine has called me, you'll still hear me say, I got joy. I got joy. I've got joy. Hey, I've got joy. 
I've got joy. I've got joy. Oh, I've got joy. I got joy. Does anybody in the house have joy? Come on. I got joy. Woo. Well, if you're happy and you know it, say amen. You got joy. Take it home with you. Stir it up when you need to. Amen. Glory to God. I'm going to turn this back to Pastor. Come back tonight. I'll, I'll endeavor not to keep you long. I want to sh- uh, share some things about the times we're living in, coming of the Lord, our expectation, and uh, I'm going to turn it back to you.